Welcome back to The Theology of the Buddy, a podcast for Catholics who love the beauty of the Church's sacred tradition. This is episode 79. My name is Chris, and I am joined today by my exclusively male co-hosts, Mike and Tim. Before we begin, if you haven't yet, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening, and please leave us a five-star review. It'd really help us out. Don't forget to drop by TheologyOfTheBuddy.com for all of our show notes and past episodes. And while you're at it, don't forget to follow us on all of our social media platforms so you can keep up to date with all of the great content we are sending out. You can find us at TheologyOfTheBuddy or at StayTraddy on Twitter. So on today's show, we're going to be getting into the Southwestern Ontario dialect. And we're going to give a quick update on what's been happening in Canada since the last episode. It's been nuts. And then we're going to discuss our local bishop's letter regarding the traditional Latin mass. So you're going to want to buckle up. It's going to be a crazy episode um, and it's probably going to go a little bit long, but I hope you're going to enjoy it. Anyways, I'm going to throw it to Tim because he's got a really cool story about his catechism class. All right, Tim, go ahead. Okay. Wow. Great to see you guys. Good to see you too, buddy. So I've mentioned before, one of the things that I do is I teach a catechism class at my local parish. And we've been going through the different forms of prayer, going through the uh, phases of the spiritual life. uh, And we started talking about the Trinity, which the easiest way for me to suddenly find myself as a heretic is to talk about the Trinity. (laughs) But fortunately, we have a nun that works with us who's uh, her order is actually dedicated to the Trinity. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I brought in sister Olivia and she gave a great presentation and ended up, ended up, uh, do you know the, you, you guys know the formula that uh, the, is it the Athanasian creed that has, that defines the Trinity, like just down to uh, co-eternal and, you know, all those blank faces. So. Oh man. Not sure. Yeah. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I the first time I came across it was actually through a video from Lutheran satire. Okay. Which yeah, it's and I like it's, that channel. Yeah, it's absolutely hilarious. And it was one of the earlier ones. It was back when, you know, they were they just started off with Francis the hippie pope. And you know, we were yes. all just like, oh yeah, you know, kind of cute, very funny. But now it's just kind of yeah, a little close to home, guys. But uh, you know, it was was those characters' names Connor and Donegal or something along those lines? They're talking to St. Patrick and trying to get him to explain the Trinity to them like they're five. So, similar situation. So, she explains the Trinity to him extremely well, and I'm just left in awe. So, afterwards, you know, there's a few questions. Anyone have any questions? So, talking about uh, one of the kids is like, okay, you know, we talked about person, we talked about nature what's the difference? It's like, okay, cool. This one I can answer without being a heretic. So <laughs> I, you know, I break out my markers. I always have multicolored markers, draw charts. Everything's color coded. It's beautiful. And so I start drawing up. I've got this chart that I've drawn on the board, you know, person on one side, nature on the other. And, you know, it's like, okay, you know, you know, Jeff, you know, who are you as a person? And he kind of looks around and, you know, his name's not really Jeff. He's like, uh, Jeff. And I'm like, okay, cool. Great answer. Jeff. You know, what nature do you have? He's uh, human nature. Okay, cool. Okay, Jeff. His, you know, his person is Jeff. His, you know, his nature is human. Cool. Okay. God the Father. 
you know, what's his person? Uh, God, the father, you know, first person of the blessed Trinity. Okay, cool. First person, blessed Trinity. And we go through, uh, you know, what's his nature? Divine. Go through Jesus. We talk about how he's got two natures. Get to the Holy Spirit. And I see a hand go up in, in the back of class. And it's like, okay, Lisa, what do you got? And she's like, doesn't the Holy Spirit have two natures too? Uh, no. Uh, what are you, what are you thinking? I, I'm, why don't you, why don't you ask me that in a different way? And she goes, isn't the Holy Spirit part bird? <laughs> oh, nice. Kids so close so far. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I have to admit, I think it's funny that you are now addressing the Trinity after talking about the stages of prayer with your kids. <laughs> it's a little bit yeah, like cart before the horse. <laughs> Yeah, well, it it came up because we were talking about the different ways of the spiritual life and who you really meet along the way. And, you know, in the purgative way, you meet God the Father, and he really does become Father at that point. And then as you grow through the purgative way and get through the dark night of the senses, you know, you encounter Christ and you encounter Christ as brother. And then, you know, we talked about how you get into you know, go through the dark night of the soul and, you know, finally <laughs> get to the unit of way. And this is where the Holy Spirit, you know, comes in and you have this intimate connection. You really, it, you know, the Holy Spirit in almost the way of a lover. And so we, you know, we're talking about this and it just became apparent that we needed to really kind of backtrack and hit what the Trinity was. We, we, we had, we needed to hit the central mystery of the Christian faith. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> So I was like, you know what, guys, we're gonna have a whole class on the Trinity, and so we, you know, we just backtracked for for a week and hit that, and yeah, so she, who knows how long, but she, you know, for she's she's thought that uh, the Holy Spirit had two natures as well. Yeah, she thought Spirit for the past week that she was gonna achieve a perfect union with a bird <laughs> in the spiritual life. Oh boy. <laughs> if I can get to that point, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll fly away, oh glory. I'll fly, fly away. away. <laughs> uh, that's amazing, dude. Uh, what, what it would be to have a Sunday school class like that? I mean, honestly, like, I don't even think Life Teen got into the three stages of the interior life like man definitely not <laughs> the three stages of the spiritual life for life teen is guitar bass and drums i think no <laughs> uh, no nah, nah, it's great i've got these kids and they're like they're in seventh and eighth grades and so like they're getting to the point where okay they've gone through and done first communion and they've got that behind them for a little bit and they're starting to work towards you know confirmation but that's not really dominating their religious education so i've got this bubble where they've given me a um, curriculum that is like fluff and bunnies essentially so we went through that in two weeks yeah i'm just like okay 
here's what we got. Boom, 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 boom. Knock this out. Now it's like, now let's get into some meat here. So when you get to the point of confirmation, we've got some background. Okay. What does it mean to be Catholic? What, you know, what do Catholics do? You know, first of all, we pray. How do you pray? You know, you know, so yeah, it's, awesome. it's a really nice place to be. Cause I don't have to fight like the life teen atmosphere and I don't have to fight the first communion rush. Right. Uh, Right. That, you know what though? Like when I, when I worked in ministry and stuff, it, I found it incredibly disheartening, I guess it would be the word when I would encounter things from like edge from life teen or things like that. And you would see just how dumbed down the faith was being presented to these kids. Like for me, I had my conversion in the seventh grade. And it was a significant conversion. It was like, okay. like turned on a dime, kind of like knocked me off my horse kind of conversion. Um, and that's possible for these kids. You know what I mean? Like they can have these big, these big encounters or they can have, you know, intellectual conversions or whatever, you know, like, you know, it's, it, you know, look at the lives of the saints. Look at people like blessed Amelda. I mean, how old was she, you know, like, or um, you know, Saint Tarsicius or whatever his name was, like all these young saints, right? They they were just absolutely imbued with the love of God and they were kids, you know? So like oh, yeah. dumbing down the faith, like like they're <laughs> you hear about the kids who are getting addicted to porn at the age of twelve, ten. Like if they if they have access to that kind of stuff, like Dude, they need the faith. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things that bothers me is like we've got a parish where a lot of kids are getting first communion very, very late, which, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old. That why is that? Uh it's more the culture of the area. We've got a very large immigrant population and a lot of times things just fall through the cracks. Mm. But I mean, this is a this is a conversation I've had with our pastor a few times. It's like we've got to do something because we've got kids who are at the age where they're being absolutely bombarded, but they don't have access to the sacraments. I, you know, they've been baptized and just kind of left out in this middle ground of okay, you can't really go to confession yet. You know, you don't haven't received first communion yet, and so it's. Unfortunately, there's just not a good answer. Yeah, but yeah, we're starting to we're starting to see that number over the last couple of years get pushed down a little bit. So hopefully, and part of that might be COVID, just that everybody was just so stable, and you know, we were able to do a lot of education online, uh, just Zoom meetings, this, that, and the other. And you know, fortunately, our bishop was decently good about letting us have sacraments as possible. So we still had first communions going on, you know. Unfortunately, there was still the drive-through sacraments, but you know, I'm not going to yeah. knock it too hard at this point. You know, that stuff's behind us, hopefully forever, <laughs> and we've learned from it. I hope, but you know, the sacraments continued to a certain degree, mm. and so nice. I think that I think that having that period of time where you know people were just stable and in one spot and not moving around that we really were able to do some catching up. So hopefully we're pushing that age back down towards, you know, first, second, third grade 
but yeah, it's, wow. it's been a challenge on that end. No kidding. But, uh, yeah, but the thing you're saying about, you know, like having conversions at that age, you know, I've got a class of a dozen kids and, you know, there's definitely a bell curve. I mean, there's kids on one end who, okay, mom, dad say I have to come here. So I'm here. And then I've got another kid at the very, very tip of it, who is reading story of a soul and asking questions and, you know, it's just, and then, you know, we're in, introducing, you know, like what's a novena, what's this, you know, how do you do this? And so it's like, here's these tools, you know, you've, okay. You guys have all made first communion. You guys are all going, you know, got confession available for you. That's great. Let's start augmenting. Let's start adding in. And here's how you build just a basic prayer life, you know, 15 minutes a day. Let's start there. You know, what does it take? You know, what is an indulgence? You know, the easiest indulgence that we can get. Well, the second easiest, the easiest one is praying the stations of the cross. Uh, The second easiest one that we can get is 30 minutes of prayerful reading of scripture a day. That's available every single day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's not a partial indulgence. It's a plenary indulgence. Uh, that's that's a big deal yep Uh, yeah Yeah. so just you know letting them know these things are here letting them know it's available and just you know trying to make it accessible and overcome the whole attention span issue that we're having with the social media culture yes yeah it's yeah Yeah, it's a challenge but man it's it's fruitful God bless you, dude. That's sweet. So speaking about uh, talking people's languages and uh, whatnot. Next topic. Let's give her. <laughs> let's let's give her. Let's give. <laughs> I'm just going to send it. <laughs> All right. So um, there is a, um, a man by the name of... PhD student, former former PhD student, because I presume he's got it now, um, Michael Iannosi uh, from the University of Western Ontario. He basically did a study on the distinctive Southwestern Ontario accent. And uh, when I read about this and some of the examples he gave, I, I couldn't believe it that I had such a unique dialect Um, because I didn't really think Southwestern Ontario sounded like anything. I thought it just sounded very, I don't know, just basic. You know, I look at places like normal. The rest of the world is weird. Yeah. Like I looked at places like Minnesota, Minnesota, you know, or, you know, the Southern accents and things like that. You know, even, even like Pennsylvania. Did you just say Minnesota is a Southern accent? No, 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 no. I'm like, or I said, or, or like the Southern accents. They're not even, they're not even South of us really. (laughs) (laughs) No, they're definitely not. Um, But yeah, no, I thought. Yeah, I think it's very interesting. And I don't know if anybody else hears it on the podcast, our American friends who might be listening. Did did you notice it when Yes. Yeah. It's it's the stereotype of it though that sticks out. I mean the about versus a boot boot. I don't know how you guys say it. About. Hmm? About. About. 
about. No, nah, I've heard that in earlier out and earlier about. seasons there was out, very clear. Maybe maybe it was Aaron. Um, Aaron yeah. has a, a a much more very like I think he's got a, maybe it was Aaron. Accent. Yeah, yeah, I remember listening through it, going, "Oh man, they're very Canadian." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So one of one of the typical southwestern Ontario phrases is milk. I'd like to have a glass of milk. Have you heard that, Mike, before? Oh yeah, a lot of people say milk. milk. It's weird. Milk. A glass of milk. Um, That's one that I've heard. I've heard as far down as Indiana, because Mrs. Ruby does that too. Does she? Yes. Yeah. She will say milk. 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 Funny. What a Canadian. Yeah. I know. She and I shared the same birthday. Just random side note. Um, Mrs. Ruby, friend of the show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hater of some of our opinions. Friend of the show. Um, That's yeah. Okay. Unless She's it's good. Advent time, then yeah, there's always a fight every Advent <laughs> with Mrs. Ruby. Yeah, Mary, um, did you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, Mrs. Ruby. Um, then yeah, we're uh, still milking that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, another another thing I haven't really heard this except for like people who are a little bit older and more so who have their familial roots in like the East coast, but they'll say Saturday instead of Saturday. Have you heard that before, Mike? Saturday. It kind of sounds like a, oh, almost like a Newfie accent yeah. to me. Not like exactly. Ontario. Yeah. But supposedly it's, it's common, especially in rural Ontario, but I think that's Saturday. because Saturday, but I think it's because it comes from, there's immigrants from the the east coast one of the common very very common ones that i say quite frequently is across a c r o s s t so i sat across from mike <laughs> you say that i say it pretty frequently yes <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I never noticed that. Yeah. It says here dropping the G in words like talking and going. That's something I do quite a bit. I noticed that as a distinctive difference, even between Mike and I, like I, I, yeah. Um, I, I, I find a kinship when I'm watching anime when they have kind of like the character that's a little bit more like hick, I'm like, Oh, that's like, you know, where they like intentionally are dropping the G on words and they make them sound like a little bit more of a hick. I'm like, that's, that sounds like me. Um, yeah. Country guy that you are. Chris. Yeah. Oh, right. Country bumpkin. <laughs> Look at me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Is there any other words that you can think of Mike before I throw out some, a couple extra. The best one I had was giver. Oh. <laughs> that's, a, that's just a good Canadianism. Yeah. Giving her. Giving her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, going for a rip. That's another, another, but I, I don't know if it's typical Southwestern Ontario or if it's just Canadian. Mm. Um, now, what does going for a rip mean? 
mean, just going out, going ha- going to have fun, just going for a rip. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna go for a drive with my buddies. That. Gonna gonna go for a rip. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. We're gonna ha- we're gonna drink a Mickey before we leave and then go for a rip. A Mickey oh, is a yeah. is a bottle of like a smaller bottle of whiskey or rye yeah. or whatever. Mickey's is totally different for us. What is what We've is got- Mickey's? Mickey's for us is a malt liquor brand. Okay. Yeah. Back when I was in college, there was this band that uh, called Haywood that had a song about Mickey's and it was the whole song was just ripping it from one end. I mean, oh, it's, <laughs> it's the, it's the typical you're carrying it around in a paper bag and you're probably never going to take it out of the paper bag. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's that, it's that malt liquor. Okay. So, Fair enough. It's but, the cheap yeah. stuff. Oh, it's so cheap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like 50 to 99 cents kind of cheap. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. Uh, it's the stuff that they'll be using in uh, in the Ukraine for Molotov cocktails. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can find the song. I'll send it to you guys later. <laughs> Sounds good. It's, uh, they it, probably have proper vodka to use over there. That's true. That's true. Um, another Canadian or Southwestern Ontario phrase is dart. Going to go out for a dart, which is a reference to a cigarette. Uh, Any more. This is something that I hear more so among older, older folks. It's used to describe the now, such as any more strawberries are so good. That's how you would use it. Or learn. I like this one. Uh, Like learn is used as um, learn, know, and teach, such as that'll learn you yeah we got that one here do you okay yep yep learn you how to talk real good (laughs) there's i've also i mean i find this more of a st thomas thing i don't i mean i guess i hear it in in london too but um when people say i seen it instead of i saw it people will say i seen i seen it brick's mom does that does she (laughs) yeah i I seen it i I seen seen it. it Yeah, she does it. it. I'm like, that's not English. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's definitely a uh, rural thing. Yeah, I seen, I seen it. Drives me nuts. Okay, so those are some southwestern Ontarioisms. Are besides out and about and stuff like that, Tim? Is there something else or anything else that like sticks out to you that we say that? No, it's you guys do have some characteristic inflections that I notice on occasion, but oh, yeah. outside, you know, like as far as like the slang, you get, you don't tend to use slang around me too, too much. Okay. So I, can, I can't see you telling everybody you're going to go out for a dart. No, I, yeah. Even if I, even <laughs> I'm not if sure I was, you, I'm even not if sure I was ever <laughs> gone out for a dart. Oh, I've gone for a dart, but I'm not, I wouldn't call it a dart. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, gone for yeah. a dart. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's not it's not like watching an episode of Letterkenny or anything like that. But yeah, 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 yeah. And and depending on where you go, like really, there is there is a clear accent for the um, Ottawa Valley. Like if you listen to people like Father Mark Goring, he has a very particular Ottawa Valley accent. Um, even when he lived in in Houston, it was still abundantly clear that he was not from Houston. <laughs> you know um yeah and like you'll you'll have uh even like a very particular 
accent comes from the West Coast. Um, I don't know if you've ever noticed that, Mike, but like, um, I'm trying to think of who, like, did you ever notice like Josh from the net team, how he had that particular, he had just a very unique way of saying things. No, he didn't notice that. Okay. I don't remember now. That's like centuries ago. Yeah. Let's not talk about how far, how far back that was. Cause that'll make us feel really old. Yeah. Yeah. Every time I talk about how long ago that was, it hurts all through the white in my beard. Yeah. <laughs> it just makes my sciatica act up. That's what happens. My lumbago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I couldn't believe it. I, I shared on our Instagram the other day. Um, May's album, Embers and Envelopes, came out in 2003, 19 years ago. Mm-hmm. I almost died. Yeah, I still think 1996 was like 10 years ago. So. Right? It's nuts. Yeah. I don't I don't get it. Ugh. All right. So that's Southwestern Ontario dialects. Now let's talk about the tyranny that Ontario is undergoing really quickly. So since we yeah, listed our suspending episode- civil liberties, let's give her. <laughs> <laughs> let's go out for a rip. Rip everyone's bank accounts away. <laughs> oh my gosh it's it's nuts so like unfortunately the last episode was released really late but um like since that time since that came out i mean things escalated very very quickly in ottawa and uh and there is very clearly two sides of the story there is the story of the people on the ground who live streamed it and then there's the story of the media and it's two very different different stories. Um, the wild part about it is that um, so what happened was uh, Justin Trudeau invoked the Emergency Act, which was formerly known as the the War Measures Act, um, and it has never been invoked since its um, formulation in the eighties, and. Uh, and he invoked it as a means to what he said was so that he could deal with the uh, the illegal occupation of the truckers in Ottawa. Um, and but the funny part was they were already getting dealt with without the Emergency Measures Act. Um, mm-hmm. The only difference is that what the Emergency Measures Act did was give trudeau ultimate power to freeze people's bank accounts mm-hmm. without due process yeah emergencies act is real scary like basically almost unilateral unilateral power for trudeau to do stuff like create crimes out of thin air charge people with them without due process suspend basically any civil liberty he chooses and i mean there's a reason that it had supposedly a lot of legal protections around when it can be used Um, it was designed for the world wars it was used then and then it was used against a terrorist group in quebec by justin trudeau's father ironically (laughs) um but 
it has often been abused in the past, including during the wars and including by Justin Trudeau's father. During World War II, notably, it was the use of the War Measures Act that allowed us to say, hey, you know all those um, Japanese and Italian Canadians? Let's put them in a concentration camp. They don't get to be free anymore. You know, our constitution doesn't apply to them. We got the War Measures Act. Um, and similarly, on a much smaller scale with the uh, FLQ crisis in Quebec, where there was this Quebec separatist terrorist group, um, they had they had done some like bombings they had done some kidnappings it was actually pretty serious yeah people were people um, were dying like there were people dying yeah like they had they actually kidnapped the um deputy premier of quebec and ended up killing him um so this is the situation where um trudeau senior yeah <laughs> and here's the thing it was an insanely more like over the top emergency. And yet in hindsight, Trudeau senior invoking the war measures act here was widely seen as an abuse. And it led to the war measures act being dissolved and replaced with the emergencies act, which was supposed to be um, much harder to invoke has stricter conditions. The thing with the War Measures Act on Trudeau Sr. is he used it to arrest a ton of people without um, their due process rights, right? Like anyone who, you know, they found out you said something positive about Quebec separatism, you're arrested. Like, and it was because the allegedly anyway they were afraid there was going to be some kind of popular uprising in Quebec but uh yeah i think from what i read they arrested like 500 or more people and uh the vast majority of them were eventually released without any charges and uh there were you know legal consequences for decades after but Again, it's very similar to what Trudeau did, right? Like he's got his emergency, but then aside from the emergency, he's got the civil liberties he wants to suspend. And I really think there's going to be terrible fallout from his decision to just say, I need to suspend people's rights and I need to start, you know, taking their money away without any due process whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely. And the wild the wild part is so he invoked the Emergencies Act. Things got insane in the Capitol. Um, people like Kristen Nagel, uh, you can follow her on Instagram at Kristen underscore Nagel, a uh, guy by the name of Shots by Hill. He's another fantastic guy. These 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 guys were on the front lines and recording the whole thing going down. And it was insane like like innocent uh you know bystanders uh were trampled um you've got candace a lady by the name of candace who is an indigenous woman uh disabled uh i don't know if that's word the proper word uh handicapped i don't know 
indigenous woman um, with a walker uh, literally got trampled by a horse. And uh, yeah, uh, like journalists got tear gassed in the face. One guy I know got literally pegged off of a, he was standing on a barrier and he got pegged off of the barrier with a, a rubber bullet that was filled with pepper spray. So it, and it hit him right in the temple. So it hit him in the temple. The thing cracked open and pepper spray all over his face and into his eyes and stuff. Like it was, it was horrific to watch. Um, And all of this was happening under the guise of the, the emergency measures act. Um, And then essentially it went to the house of commons where (laughs) unsurprising our crooked liberal government in cahoots with the NDP uh, voted in favor of the, of the emergencies act. Right. Which, which was wild because they, they basically came out and said, you know, like uh, we just don't want to trigger another election. So we're going to, we're going to vote in favor of the emergencies act instead of doing what they knew was right in their conscience. They, you know, voted in favor of the emergencies act. A little bit of Canadian trivia. If you're not Canadian is um, the idea of a confidence vote in parliament. Like the, we have a minority government here and it's not a two party system. So the government actually needs the support of another party to pass a vote in the house. And um, the the idea of a confidence vote is basically if this vote doesn't pass, then um, it essentially triggers an election. It's usually used on stuff like the government's budget and stuff. Like if they can't pass it, then they can't actually govern. Um, but Trudeau threatened to make this vote a confidence vote, meaning that if they didn't pass his emergency act, it would trigger an election and the NDP, which is kind of like our far left socialist party basically decided because conservatives are kind of surging off of this wave from the truckers that if they trigger an election, we might have a conservative government, not their uh, buddies on the left, the liberals, so even though they opposed it, sort of, they voted as a party for it, basically just in this completely brazen political move and openly admitting that they voted against their values. Insane. Yeah. We'd rather not risk our power. We're just going to go ahead and go with this horrific thing that we absolutely oppose. Yeah. Absolutely. And so what happens from there is that it ended up going to the Senate and the Senate has to vote because it's such a big, it's such a big decision, right? It has to go to the Senate. Um, And so the wild part was the Senate was in session and they were actively debating and the, those on the more conservative side were obviously vote, were obviously debating in, um, you know, not in support of the emergencies act and it, and there were incredibly damning speeches being given by these, these senators. Um, they were amazing. They were well thought out, well researched and very legal. And then you would get the people on the left 
on the the liberal side. And it was all emotion-based. It was all about, you know, how it made people feel and all of this. And, you know, Mike brought up the, uh, the story of, uh, of the, the Japanese, um, uh, don't know what the word is in turn and internments or whatever. Um, so one of the guys who's an independent gave a speech, um, and he actually had his grandmother was one of those Japanese uh, prisoners. And he was saying, you know, this happened da, 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 and was telling how, how difficult it was for his, his grandmother to go through this. And he ended up in the end saying, and I support the emergencies act. I was flabbergasted i couldn't believe it like it it was just like the most insane thing i've ever heard um yeah so but like i said there was these incredibly damning speeches in in the senate and as these damning speeches are happening suddenly they uh get a notification trudeau has uh um revoked the emergencies act so, because what happened was, and people, uh, people hold that if it had gone to a vote, it would have not passed and Trudeau would have been kicked out. It feels like this is yeah. a serious enough of a legislation that, or a, uh, a policy that if Trudeau were to invoke it, that there should be some clause that it automatically triggers an election a certain period of time afterwards. You know, just, you know, kind of like the vote of confidence in the Senate or in, you know, whatever body you guys have. Unfortunately, I'm not smart, Uh, but (laughs) it feels like, you know, just like a popular vote of confidence should be taken, you know, because, you know, it's been misused so many times in the past. You know, you're talking, you know, you're talking about with the terrorists, you know with Justin Trudeau's father, you know, it's like, he's arresting massive amounts of people on just spurious charges. But yeah. It, it seems like there should be some sort of recourse built yeah. in. The law has a thing where there's a mandatory review in the parliament, but not something as serious as an election. So that is still pending. There has to be a, like a parliamentary review of it. Um, I don't think he would have, been maybe i'm wrong here but i don't think he would have been kicked out if the senate vetoed the bill as long as the house passed it but uh, i'm not a hundred percent sure i'm pretty sure that's the case though yeah it it sounded it sounded like at least from the the stuff that i was reading it's just that it would have been political suicide that like it would have been like a nail in the coffin, like a final nail in the coffin of of justin trudeau's political career um it would have been very embarrassing for his government, yeah, to have like that much more ammo on the side of you abused your power, right? Even the Senate wouldn't allow it. Yeah, I have another theory about what might have contributed to, uh-huh. and I've I've seen a few people saying this. This isn't like my personal theory, but um, I think there was pushback from banks. Because there were a lot of people seeing this saying, why would I put my money in a Canadian bank anymore? And people saying, I want my cash out now. Like, 
like screw leaving it in a Canadian bank where some loose cannon like Trudeau, who has no qualifications to be a world leader, can just suddenly say, uh, no, you're not allowed to access your money anymore um, because you were protesting against my government. Um, so that's my theory. I think banks started to see people doing that. And then they were like, hey, Trudeau, shut it down. Like, and I think like the Canadian banks, they wield power behind the scenes. They are so influential there. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that's, that's, I, that's my good, theory. That's a, that's an interesting theory. And I think it's completely plausible for sure. Looking from the outside going in, you, you talked about uh, how this would have been the nail in the coffin with Justin Trudeau as a, uh, as a viable figure. From the outside looking in, you know, it's like we've had a reasonably sympathetic view of him. You know, he seems just like the the likable, affable guy for the most part from the outside. But then there's this switch that just flipped with with the whole virus and everything after. And like we're just kind of scratching our heads, like what happened here? <laughs> because you know, he he shows up, he wears funny costumes and. <laughs> which <laughs> the memeing black off of that has oh my goodness the memeing off of that blackface hitler was amazing <laughs> twitter was just yeah. ablaze it's like that. sudden suddenly there's this new reality of justin trudeau that like you know that we're being introduced to and it's like uh, this is he's not the guy that we thought we that we thought we knew yeah and oh. he really lost a lot of credibility south of the border I mean, not that it really matters what we think about him but you know, you if no you were to come to my I've house, heard. you have to buy his own root beer. <laughs> <laughs> There's no phrase I've heard more in the debates than the conservatives reminding people, by the way, your leader has worn blackface so many times. He can't even recall how many times he did it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, and you, and you can't I mean, make it up. Like, I mean, he literally... Mm -hmm. Like what was her name? Melissa Lansman. She was the a conservative MP, and uh, yeah, the he, Jewish MP, the Jewish MP, uh, and he and he. I did hear about this. And he said, "Yeah, he accused conservatives of supporting people waving swastikas," and then she's like, "I'm a Jew. <laughs> like, <laughs> I demand an apology." And he walked out. She demanded an apology of him to her and to the entire house, and he walked out. Like this guy is he's, not fit at all. Nah, he's, he's drinking his own sauce. There's yeah. just, there's no two ways about it. Yeah. This is, this is just like classic narcissism. Oh, big time. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Which I mean, you expect with political figures, but I mean, to be face to face with somebody where you've made that kind of blunder, not to have the emotional wherewithal or intelligence to be able to say, I overspoke. I apologize. <laughs> That's yeah. all it takes. Yeah. You don't, you lose nothing by doing that. <laughs> but yeah. But the thing is like, it's, it's very interesting. There was an interview with him where he was, he was asked about, um, essentially like leadership and, and stuff like that. And he legit came out and said, that a solid way to lead is essentially dividing a culture. 
Really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, it's a solid way to control, yeah. but not a way so to So, like, he legit came out and said it, um, and now you see it in in full color, you know? Um, you know, he's calling the truckers misogynist, racist, you know, science deniers, and all, you know, all these crazy names, and he doubles down on it. He doubles down. He doesn't care, you know? And, uh, you know, and then it leads to literally literally them getting the their arses handed to them in while they're just peacefully protesting on Parliament Hill. I mean, there's videos of people getting getting bludgeoned with with butts of rifles at this thing. Like it was wild. That, that was the most messed up incident. Like the guy just getting beat up with the I'm I think it's a uh like um a tear gas gun yeah you just like got beat just, down just, with it just yeah and like like and that was a guy like it's not like a blm protest where people are assaulting police this was a guy who was trying to hug a sign to avoid getting carried away from the protest so he wasn't violent he was resistant obviously because he didn't want to be removed but he's not fighting police the fact that they they drag him the to the escalation. ground and actually beat him. It's outrageous. And I mean, I don't, I don't know how you justify that kind of escalation of force. I mean, even in a situation like that, you know, with policing, you're only allowed to escalate a certain amount. So, you know, if somebody attacks you with mm-hmm. an open hand, you can you can fight back with the closed fist. You know, if they bring, you know, if somebody comes at you with an object, then you can escalate further from there. But you're not even looking at somebody who's attacking. There's no justification to escalate force that way. Yeah. No, and it 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 got insane. Like, you know, the the cops were going down the rows and just breaking the windows of these truckers and ripping them out of their out of their trucks. One guy legitimately saw a group of them coming towards him. He got out of his truck, and there's videos of this. He got out of his truck, went and he knelt down in front of in front of his truck and put his arms over his head, they took him and they dragged him the distance of three trucks and then just started beating the crap out of him, kicking him in the ribs. He's now got three broken ribs. He's now like peeing blood. Like, I mean, the guy got just wrecked by these guys, you know, why did they have to do that? Like he wasn't doing anything. He was just there on the ground you know, and but you know, you know, you were talking about how um, those 500 protesters from uh, Quebec or whatever, how a great number of them were just let go on no charges. There's a story of a guy who who got um, beat up by the cops, literally almost choked to death, and then uh, they picked him up. Uh, and this is not an isolated story. This I've heard from a number of people that were arrested. He was arrested. Uh, taken for processing, they gave him two options. They said, either you sign this document that says you agree to leave Ottawa and we won't press charges, or you accept the charges of mischief, obstruction of justice, and a couple other things. And he said to them, I accept the charges. And they said, "Uh, we're not pressing charges. And they like just put him in the car and dropped him off in the middle of Ottawa. And, and that wasn't the only, like, like I said, this isn't the only story of like that. 
the uh, RCMP sniper that was running security for the uh, uh, for the convoy. He too, same story. He they he heard that there was like a warrant out for his arrest. He peacefully showed up to the RCMP, said, "I hear that you're looking for me. I'm here to be, you know, to accept being arrested." They took him in and did the same thing and just dropped him off at the edge of Ottawa. Didn't even press charges against him. Like it's wild. Anyway, we've gotten way off the beat. It'll be interesting to see the lawsuits come in. (laughs) All the constitutional challenges against his use of the emergencies act and, you know, the fallout of people whose bank accounts have gotten frozen. Yeah. Yeah. Kristen, I mean, we'll be here all night talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kristen, Kristen Nagel, actually, she runs uh, Canadian Frontline Nurses. Um, she uh, and and her, uh, whatever you call it, nonprofit, took the Trudeau government to court on Friday for illegally invoking the Emergencies Act. So they've already got that, that ball rolling. So... It's going to be crazy. Yeah. And not just her, but like some of the most reputable civil rights organizations in Canada. Yeah. 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 At least two of the primary ones are actually running their own lawsuits. A bunch of provincial ones had uh, statements up, like openly calling for MPs to vote against it as a civil liberties matter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so pretty wild. Pretty wild. So pray for Canada, American friends. Pray for Canada, Canadian friends, international friends, all you who are listening. Because we're going through some stuff. And um, Trudeau's not the only tyrant. Let's be honest. There, There is the great and fearful Diocese of Mordor that uh, we are from. And... Uh, we we just got an update with regards to the traditional Latin mass here in the Diocese of Mordor. And uh, yeah, can we, do you want to briefly talk about that, Mike? Sure. I mean, you mean the uh, implementation update, not the COVID update, right? Yeah. Well, I thought we could yeah. talk about both because I think, uh, I think both kind of go hand in hand a little. There's some, some definite nuggets in both. I have the wrong link open. Um, let me look. Oh, I have the Father Z version here. Yeah. Our diocese is famous. <laughs> Father Z wrote about our uh, implementation of Traditionis Custodes. Yeah, it has a lot of um, Archbishop Roach stuff in it, like taking very seriously a lot of the uh, wildly illegitimate stuff in Roach's uh fake dubia <laughs> and it's funny in father z's article he just has stuff underlined in red and then beside it, it's like false 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 <laughs> false lol no there's <laughs> <laughs> just a lot of oh boy yeah so, so in practical terms what is happening here he's basically saying yeah we definitely want to kick you out of our parishes like like roach wants and he uses a lot of language like 
I like speaking as like I, me, like I have the exclusive competence to do this. And it's kind of like, it's, it's weird because it doesn't sound like the personality of our bishop from what I've seen. It sounds very like if you've seen him in person, he seems extremely timid mm-hmm. and like he would be afraid to talk to you, that kind of personality. Yes, absolutely. But this, but this letter comes across as like, I am your imperial majesty. And it's just like, I will lord it over you and it's for your own good. It's not to, uh, it's not to marginalize you, but nothing personal. We want you out of all of our parishes and never come back. Yes. Uh, that's yeah. <laughs> this, essentially the gist I'm, of it. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to, I'm going to say it here and put it right on the record. I think this was ghost written by, by father Kamaski 110%. Father Kamaski is like, yeah. is the Bishop's right-hand man. And yeah, I fully believe this is, this is, Father Kamaski and Bishop Fabro just signed his name on it. Yeah. Oh, the the wildest part of this is the the weird interpretation of you know how in Traditionis Custodes he gives like a a little nod to the fact that there have been maybe a couple of abuses in the Novus Ordo, and maybe those should be corrected. So our bishop decided that that means that there are abuses because priests have started doing stuff from the Latin mass in the Novus Ordo. Those are the abuses that we need to correct. (laughs) (laughs) Bring in those Latin mass clowns and liturgical dancers. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's just ridiculous on the face of it. We're scratching our heads. (laughs) Yeah. Like what, what is it? Stuff like Adorientum. (laughs) Or, or like, or like, what could it be like? the use of canonical digits like is is that up there like what what is it that besides ad orientum which which he forbid well before this mm-hmm. yeah like like he says here um in his letter the holy father notes the fact that features of the pre-Vatican II Eucharistic liturgy have been introduced into the Novus Ordo and have led to distortions. Distortions. Therefore, I direct that the legislation of the general instruction of the Roman Missal from 2010 is to be faithfully observed. Okay, we're going to have a conversation about this in a minute. Faithfully observed by both priests and faithful, and that no rubrics, gestures, or customs to be found in the Missile Romanum of 1962, which have been abrogated and are no longer found in the general instruction of the Roman Missal, are to be incorporated into the celebration of the Mass as found in the new Roman Missal 2011. The Eucharist is to be celebrated at a freestanding altar with the priest facing the assembly and in the language of the gathered faithful. So, so if you have more than one language represented, right? which one do you choose? Which one? What happens if we all learn Latin, though? <laughs> I'm going to get on Duolingo tonight. Yes. Yes. My, I've got like 150 straight days in French. I'm sorry. We're moving over to Latin now. We're going Latin. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, 
It's so going to be like the- that scene from Monty Python where Brian, <laughs> uh, Brian is uh, painting uh, Romans go home. Yeah, that's going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm Romani just- domum. Romani domum. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, just, my word. Uh, I would love to see somebody actually go through the rubrics and be like, no, this is what it actually looks like compared to the absolute clown show. That is what the normal Novus Ordo mass tends to be. Yeah. I'm sorry. This has got me steaming out of the collar. I don't even live in your diocese. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I wrote to the Bishop about this one, basically to suggest that he um, tried to address real abuses um as a way of fostering unity um normally i get a reply either from a secretary or from father Komsky, who i think is just screening emails for the bishop so he can do everything for the bishop and basically be the worm tongue of the diocese but i didn't get a reply this time and i wonder (laughs) i wonder why yeah that that last paragraph is so sweet let's see here these new directives of the holy father while specific and exacting are not intended to be punitive much less demeaning of the priests and faithful who are attached to or revere the pre-vatican II form of the eucharistic liturgy so i'm sorry guys this this is everything that we're doing to you here it's not demeaning it's not punitive yeah this is gaslighting this oh it is it is this is classic gaslighting but so so the so the bishop just recently announced that restrictions are lifting in a big way in our parishes um and we're finally getting things like holy water back and uh and holy communion but i think it needs to be noted a couple Communion on the tongue, excuse me. But I think it. we need to note a couple things. And speaking about the general instruction of the Roman Missal, I'm going to just point out something here. So he says this in his recent update. Communion in the hand is strongly encouraged at this time. If communion were to be received on the tongue, there would be concern of transmission of the virus through saliva or breath on the fingers of the ministers of communion. The minister of communion would be vulnerable in this situation. Those who wish, however, may receive communion on the tongue. Parishes will have to organize those communicants who wish to receive on the tongue in such a way that they would form a procession line in a separate in a line separate from other communicants, or that they would come at the end of the procession to receive after the other communicants. Ministers of communion must sanitize their hands after giving communion to each and every person who receives on the tongue. There can be no exceptions to these requirements. Now, from the General Instruction of the Roman Missal, section 278. Whenever a fragment of the host adheres to his fingers, especially after the fraction or the communion of the faithful, the priest is to wipe his fingers over the paten, or, if necessary, wash them. Likewise, he should also gather any fragments that may have fallen outside the paten. So, here's the thing. Using hand sanitizer 
is not purification. It is not. You are not to wipe your hands using an alcohol solution with fragments of our blessed Lord in it. That is not allowed. The church does not allow for it. So if, as our gracious bishop of the Diocese of Mordor demands that the general instruction of the Roman Missal is to be faithfully observed, how can we do so if you're telling us to use hand sanitizer every time you give Holy Communion on the tongue? I thought we weren't supposed to add any rubrics, gestures, or rituals that aren't found in the germ in the missile. Yeah. Right. I don't know. <laughs> I said this like it's so silly. I I mean, priests have to find a way around this to like protect the blessed sacrament. There's there's just no there's no getting around that, right? Like yeah. if you're a faithful priest, you can't actually do this. Yeah. So there's I mean it's incredibly laborious. You can do something like first first purify with water and then sanitize. It's just like how how long would this take to do this the proper process between each and every person? You'd be there for hours. So, and like our, our bishops must know this. I find it hilarious how like little they think about these things because I know I know they've spoken to our priest multiple times about communion on the tongue in our specific community, and there are multiple other communities in the diocese. They know every single person at the Latin Mass is receiving on the tongue. They know this can't be done at the traditional Latin Mass. They must know that, like, but they still issue a direction that assumes it's only like three grannies at the end receiving on the tongue because they're too old to do anything but pre-Vatican II things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They don't realize that they're the old people that are too old to do anything but what they did as a young person. They don't realize that they're the fringe minority with unacceptable views. That's for sure. You know, and, and here, Tim, like this, this will, this will stick in your craw. If that's a a Southern phrase, there's already so much Southern craw right now. Pardon? No, I'm, I see him with his hands together. Just it's like he's trying to contain the, yeah. ah, the outrage so much. But l- listen yeah, to this though: the possibility uh, of having children's church or children's liturgy is still under discussion at this point. Therefore, these must not yet take place. I mean, to us, I mean, we'd probably consider that a win. But I mean, the kids are back at school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the kids are back at school. Why can't you do? like children's church what are you afraid of yeah like okay so yeah i do consider this an absolute win i mean the children's liturgies are essentially pointless if kids need to be in full-on mass and see it for all its glory but you know what yeah restrict that (laughs) that's fine (laughs) but make the make have some consistency make it make sense right Uh, 
Right. Yeah. This yeah. we're in CCD and catechism classes together. Yeah. It's what about the children's liturgy makes it more susceptible to virus transmission than a regular liturgy? Yeah. I, I, Here's the thing: you got the parish halls open again without social distancing and stuff. You can sit down and have a meal in the parish hall. Um, I mean, what if you sat the kids at the table in the parish hall? And <laughs> like, it's like, yeah. But what if what if you do it after mass? Then it seems like it's allowed if you do the exact same thing. But but listen to As this. As I read it anyway. Listen to this. The diocesan policy on vaccinations against COVID-19 is being reviewed in light of the changes in governmental restrictions. We are monitoring what other institutions and places of business are doing. Further word will come in due time. I think the operative word there is other. Yeah, what so. other institutions or places of business yeah, you know, like other non-essential businesses. Somebody needs to turn some tables over. <laughs> there, there are there are diocesan employees who have lost their jobs. There was legitimately one deacon of our diocese who refused the vaccination mandate. Uh, he was a permanent deacon. They removed his faculties. Uh, he was a farmer. And guess who ended up in the in the trucker convoy? That deacon. So I mean, are these are these guys going to get their jobs back? Who knows? Depends on what uh, I don't know what Deloitte is doing down the street. Right? It has nothing to do with the gospel. It has everything to do with what the heck is 3M doing in their office? It has to do with money, money, money. Please don't sue us anymore. Yeah. P.S. Money, money. Yes. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing I'm wearing headphones. Otherwise, steam would just be shooting straight out my ears. <laughs> I. It's like it's like the principle that the state is is subservient to the church. Well, now the church is essentially subservient to Tim Hortons. <laughs> Even Tim Hortons doesn't have such restrictions. Yeah. Ah. I got I got unvaxxed buddies working at Tim Hortons. This is yeah. Our ecclesiastical structures were absolutely unprepared. The the, the philosophy that they approached us with was entirely wrong. They yeah, I this is gonna be something that we're going to have to take years and decades to hash out because there is so much that went wrong with how we did this. We should not have shut down masses. If you know, getting people close is the problem. We should have expanded the number of masses that priests can say, eliminated concelebration of masses so that every priest is saying an individual mass and had masses many, many, many times a day. Spread the people out that way. Okay, that's fine. But to say, okay, we're not going to have mass. Okay. You're saying you've got a respiratory virus. We're going to take away holy water. Why? It's not waterborne, it's a respiratory virus. Everything we're doing. Like you would expect if we were just guessing, we'd get it right half the time. It's not even that good. Oh my goodness. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the thing is, this is a conversation that you guys were having down in the States in June, 2020. Mm -hmm. 
and it was done with. You guys moved on. Life was good. We're still in June 2020 here, and it, things are just becoming like we're not even there yet. You yeah. know, like it's wild. It's wild. So, yeah. Anyway, thanks for thanks for sharing in our headache. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, Solidary, and seeing, the, man. seeing what it is, right? It, like you said, it is, it is a very classic form of gaslighting. But I mean, this is not new. This is like this is like the stuff we're getting out of Rome. This is, mm-hmm. uh, it's everything's inconsistent. Everything is driven towards a particular point of view that just doesn't hold water. But they're they're forcing it, and this is the way it's going to be, and you just have to take it. No, <laughs> we don't have to take it. No, yeah, no trust we're not going to take it. Catholics, we can get real creative. And when it comes down to it, we can get real macabre too. So <laughs> <laughs> if you want to pick this fight, you might get the upper hand for a little bit, man. But when we get to the second half of this game, watch out. <laughs> it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I tell you what, man, I'm 42 years old. You guys are in your 30s. These guys that we're talking about here, <laughs> they're they're a third and double how old we are at this point. Yes. They're not sticking around too long. No. So yeah. pray for their souls eventually. But uh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Wild. Yeah. yeah. We're not going anywhere. No. no. Well, I mean, I don't know. Guys, I'm not this- a good driver. But. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that part of your job i don't know oh no that's see that's that's why i like the passenger seat as much as i do <laughs> i will absolutely let my partner drive as much as they want i'm in the back i yeah i do what i love that's awesome all right well i guess this is it um i guess this is it here we are gentlemen it's been great yeah thanks thanks for hanging out you guys um yeah ending the podcast let's give her thank you for watching my quiet meltdown (laughs) (laughs) i could just see with each additional thing we said tim was getting more and more mad but he was just holding it all in there yeah yeah with as much forehead as i do you could just watch the red rise yes oh my goodness (laughs) for those who don't know i shave my head completely so yeah lots of forehead yeah yeah yeah, he's he's definitely the Lex Luthor of our uh, of the podcast oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, this has all the hair on the podcast currently. It's true, mostly oh. on my back though. It's usually Woo. we went a long way on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole new definition for hair shirt. <laughs> That's how humble this is. <laughs> Thanks for the courtesy laugh, Mike. <laughs> Uh, you guys are great i think that one went just a hair over the line (laughs) oh Oh. (laughs) Uh, all right you guys well let's let's wrap it up um want to say again thanks to everybody for listening today's podcast we were wondering what your thoughts are on all of this is there a is there a phrase we missed is there a word that drives you nuts that we say on the podcast? Let us know. What are your thoughts about the uh, the Diocese of Mordor? Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Message us on Facebook or DM on Instagram at Theology of the Buddy. Uh, 
You can follow our great stories on Theology of the Buddy on Instagram, which are literally only about the convoy and Canadian freedom. So, <laughs> and random quotes about prayer. So, definitely do that. Yeah, Brooke posting uh, stuff from the propers and stuff like that. <laughs> if it's if it's about the convoy, it's Chris. If it's mass propers, it's probably it's Brooke. Brooke. It's probably Brooke. It might be me, but it could also be Brooke. Too. Yeah, um, but yeah. Anyway, find us on Twitter at trad or sorry at stay traddy. Um, or email us at theologyofthebuddy at gmail.com. Also, please consider subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, YouTube, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Also, like I asked before, please, wherever you're listening, if you have the ability to give us a rating, a review, please, five stars. We will love you forever. And if you leave an actual review, we'll read it on the podcast. So we would love for you to do that. So please do and make sure you're subscribed. So, you know, when our next, next episode comes out, generally they come out every other Wednesday, but if you have life crises, like I do so frequently, they may not, but Hey, stay connected to us on socials. So, you know, when they will come out and I guess until then, everybody stay, stay tranny. tranny. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.